Hey there, folks. Welcome to E Pluribus Unum. I am your host, Emily, and this is a podcast where we talk about all sorts of things. Religion, politics, culture, all the things that you're not supposed to talk about in a polite company because you might lead to arguments. That's what we talk about. But we're trying to do the opposite and make it so that we can talk about these things without leading to arguments. And I think one of the most important important ways or one of the main strategies for being able to talk about religion and politics and any other charged topic. And these days, every topic seems to be charged because everything leads back to COVID, which leads back to politics, is to think about what the other side thinks, to put yourself in the other side's shoes to have an open mind. We have to understand the other side and truly understand the other side. Not just hear what the other side says, but understand it and accept it. We don't have to agree, but if we can understand the other side's motives, where they come from, what their values are, then we can start to listen to their ideas and their opinions and be more accepting and open-minded. So that's what this podcast is about. This podcast is really for people who are not conservative to learn what conservative people think, what we believe, what our motives and our values are, because I think it happens a lot in the media, and it happens when people only talk with others who agree with them, that People on the right are mischaracterized and are maligned as being terrible and heartless because our opinions differ from those who are on the left. And we aren't terrible and heartless just because we have a different opinion. And by the way, yes, this does happen the other way too. People on the right think people on the left are stupid. And that's because we often don't understand the values and the reasoning behind the opinions that many people on the left hold. So we really have to understand where people come from in order to properly assess their ideas. So that's what I'm here for. I'm giving you a glimpse into what people on the right think. Obviously, I cannot speak for every person on the right. There are some whacked out, truly far right people who are not representative of people who are conservative, just like there are some very whacked out people on the left who are probably not representative of everyone who considers themselves liberal or Democrat. I'm only, really, I can only speak for myself, but most of my friends are conservative. Most of my family's conservative. I've listened to a lot of conservative speakers over the years, so I do have an insight into what your average conservative thinks. So that's what I'm trying to bring to you. This podcast is not only for people who disagree. It's also, I mean, it's really for anyone, but that was one of the things that made me want to start a podcast was the ability, really the ability to explain myself. But in the process of explaining myself, I realized that I could potentially do even more good by representing conservative thought as a whole. Anyway, so that's why I'm here. I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm very grateful that you're here. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the podcast, by the way, please 
leave a rating and a review, please five stars on Apple or anywhere else that podcast apps allow you to leave reviews, share with a friend, and subscribe so you always get the latest episode. In case you weren't aware, this month is Pride Month. And the only reason you wouldn't be aware is if you're colorblind, because there are rainbow flags everywhere, outside stores, on stickers, soda cans have flags on them, makeup containers have flags on them, bowls, spoons. You can buy anything with a rainbow flag on it this month. And just as a little side note, it's a little bit disappointing that I basically now can't ever buy anything rainbow colored because the assumption when people see a rainbow flag is that it's a gay an LGBTQ thing. I like rainbows. I like colors. I used to draw rainbows as most little girls did. I used to doodle them in my notebooks, but now rainbows are associated with the LGBTQ community. You can indeed buy almost anything this month with a rainbow flag on it because it is Pride Month and stores are getting in the swing of things. I want to talk this out with you and I don't have a firm opinion on this. It's just something that I've been contemplating. Because I walk into stores that June 1st, maybe May 30th, start putting up flag decorations. Then on June 30th, or July 1st, gone. No more flags, no more rainbow products. If there are rainbow products, they're on sale because that was from last month. Because Pride Month is June, and we will sell you Pride stuff all through June, but if you come back in July, you're out of luck. It feels insincere. Companies are just capitalizing on the moment they know that during June, they can sell a bunch of things, like the most useless things too, with rainbow flags on it and people will buy it. It feels insincere. On the other hand, there are certain seasons for things and sells store things according to the season. Just before July 4th, you can find a bunch of things with American flags on it. Around the month of October, you can buy things with pumpkins and witches from August through December, you can buy Christmas stuff because the Christmas season lasts forever. So stores sell things according to a season. June is Pride Month, so stores sell things with rainbows on it. I think some people very firmly believe that companies are insincere. I think other people assume that companies are very sincere and they love the LGBTQ community and they're showing their love by participating in Pride Month as opposed to other stores which maybe don't participate in Pride Month. But I don't think it's insincerity per se, and I also don't think that it's a lack of support for the LGBTQ community if you're not selling a bunch of rainbow flags. I think it probably is more mundane than than the cynics who think it's just a money grab think it is, and it's less sincere than those who think that it's a real support for the LGBTQ movement think it is. I think it's just stores sell things in the right season. You sell winter clothes during winter and summer clothes during summer. You sell s'mores stuff during the summer months and everything pumpkin spiced and hot chocolate during the winter months because that's when people buy things. I guess there's a little bit of cynicism there that companies know when people will buy things, but that's what companies have to do. They have to sell their wares. If you really want to support companies that support LGBTQ causes, it's probably worthwhile to see where they donate their money to if they're involved in any sort of nonprofit organizations, something like that. Otherwise, for example, I won't go into a store that has a Black Lives Matter sign in its window because that is a store giving its explicit 
support to an organization that I cannot support because of its values and its mission. On the other hand, if a store puts up a pride flag, I'll go in because I assume the company is just capitalizing on the season. Also, I think people should be able to be gay and lesbian and not worry about what their family might say and not to feel uncomfortable around people. The only thing that I don't think gay and lesbian people should be able to do is marry members of the same sex. But I also don't think straight people should be able to marry members of the same sex because I think marriage is a holy and religious institution and that means one man and one woman. But other than that, gay people are just people who have a different interest in who shares their bed than I do. And I really have no other thoughts about them at all. In summary, if a store puts up a pride flag and it's selling a bunch of rainbowy things during the month of June, they're doing it because they know they can make a lot of money, not because they necessarily have a great love for the LGBTQ plus community. And if a store is not selling a bunch of rainbow flag things, I don't think it means that they don't support the LGBTQ plus community. It probably just means that they know that they won't sell as many rainbow covered flags as, for instance, Sephora to sell a bunch of things with rainbow colored flags makes a bunch of sense. Home Depot, maybe not because they have a different clientele who might not be as inclined to buy things with rainbow flags. That's all. I don't think it's being cynical. I think it's just being realistic that that's what companies are doing and good for them. They know they can make money doing it and people will buy it. And if people want to put up a rainbow flag to announce their pride, I guess that's their choice. Though I do want to talk about the idea of pride with regard to being gay. Is being gay or lesbian, but I'm using the term gay as a catch-all, something to be proud of? Historically, yes. I understand why the whole movement is called pride because there was a long period, not all of history, but a, a good amount of history when people could not openly be gay and in fact would be very harshly persecuted for their gayness. And not only from a government perspective that people could be arrested or put to death for being gay, but also people weren't comfortable sharing it with their friends or family. So having that history of not being able to announce one's true feelings for so long, and then when people could finally announce what they really felt, that is a moment to be prideful and to say, hey, I'm not going to hide anymore. I have pride in who I am. I This is not something that I'm covering up. So I understand where pride comes from. The question is, I think, whether that's still the best way of looking at it. And I know it's not so easy to change the whole word for a movement. It's already called pride, and if they called it something else, yeah, just from a marketing perspective, it's not so easy to change things. People hear the word pride, think of gay pride, see the rainbow flag, like it all goes together. It's already a movement. So I'm not saying that it needs to be changed. I just think it's an interesting concept to think about the idea of this pride, because it's pride in something that you didn't choose, right? The whole point is that being gay or being lesbian is not a choice. It's as natural as being straight. So I wouldn't say I'm proud of being straight. They say they're proud of being gay. On the other hand, I've never had to hide the fact that I'm straight. And there was a time in history when people had to hide the fact of their gayness. So I see why the opposite of hiding something is being 
loud and proud about it. So I understand the pride thing. And a lot of Jews talk about being proud to be a Jew. And it comes from the same history of having been an oppressed people. We are now saying that we are proud. We're not going to hide. We're not going to be ashamed of this thing that people tell us we need to be ashamed of. So I don't think pride is an inappropriate feeling or an inappropriate word, though it is interesting if you think of pride as being one of the seven deadly sins, which is not a Jewish concept, it's a Christian concept, but since we do live in a country which is so broadly Christian and obviously influenced by Christian values and beliefs, that this whole movement is called pride. I think the reason the idea of pride is so interesting to me is because it seems like people make their whole identity being gay. And while in a way it does make sense because being gay is different from being straight or being part of the gay community is different from being straight because straight is the default, gay is the anomaly, statistically speaking and societally speaking. So being gay, being part of that culture does come with its own history, its own traditions, its own values, everything that any other culture that you would think of, the gay culture also has. So it does make a little bit more sense to peop for people to wrap up their whole being with being gay. Whereas if you knew someone who wrapped up their whole being with being straight, the only example I can think of are like frat guys and the ones who their only focus is getting laid. So it's all about their sexuality. And we don't like those kind of people. So it's a little bit different for the people who are straight and for people who are gay. But this is not 50 years ago. This is 2021. And for most people in the US and for many parts of the world, it's really not such a big deal to be gay anymore. So it seems like in the past, being gay might have, it was a good choice to wrap up your whole identity in being gay because it connected you to others in a community. It probably was your whole identity, whether you chose it to be or not. Other people sort of forced it on you as your whole identity. But these days, people have the luxury and the freedom for that not to be their whole identity and can make something that's so much more interesting that, about themselves, their whole identity. Whether it's a hobby or a talent or an occupation or a character trait or any other thing that is more indicative of who the person is than just who they prefer to have sex with or be romantically involved with. So it's interesting that people like to wrap up their whole identity in being gay. It reminds me of an anecdote I just read in Dennis Prager's Happiness is a Serious Problem when he talks about an encounter he had with a man who was bald and the man who was bald was unhappy because he wanted hair and he focused so much on hair and because his focus was hair, he assumed that other people's focus was also hair and that everyone saw that he was bald. And Dennis Prager pointed out to him that in fact, most people who have hair, it's not it's not on our minds. We're not looking at people with hair and people without hair and making judgments about who's better. It's just a thing that we have and we brush and wash. And he was talking about this anecdote in relation to his idea that we are, that so much of our unhappiness stems from focusing on the things that we don't have instead of the things we have. But my takeaway in regards to being gay is that you're wrapping up, people who wrap up their whole identity in being gay, it almost seems like they assume that people who are straight wrap up our whole identity in being straight, but we don't. It's just being straight is just one facet 
of our personalities, one facet of our lives. We don't wrap up our whole lives in it. We're not really thinking about other people's sexuality. It might be interesting when we meet someone who's gay and then we will move on with our lives. And I wonder if that's just a function of being part of a minority group that you assume the majority group is constantly thinking about your minority status because you're constantly thinking about your minority status, but in fact, other people really don't care. I don't know. I certainly don't care if anyone is gay. By the way, most of the conservative people I know don't care. Even many of the religious people I know don't. Let me put it this way. They might, from a religious perspective, care that someone is gay because God says that for a man to lie with another man, like he lies with a woman, is an abomination. So yes, people might have a theological problem with it, but that they, how would they treat someone who's gay? Because I have, because I know people who are gay, who have gone to Orthodox Jewish congregations, not just Reform, but Orthodox, and it's not a problem, and they're involved, and they're loved, and they're cared for. Perhaps they couldn't get married there, but there are a lot of other reasons that people couldn't get married in an Orthodox synagogue, not just for being gay, for a whole host of reasons, because there's there are standards. And the same thing with most conservatives. Sure, there were many conservatives who didn't vote in California for same-sex marriage to be allowed. But do they treat people who are gay any different any differently? I haven't met one. I have a gay cousin. My in-laws have some very close friends who are lesbians and are raising a son. My mom has really good friends who are gay and who are conservative themselves. I know that conservatives are painted as being homophobic and bigoted, but just because we don't support same-sex marriage doesn't mean that we don't like people who are gay and that we're cruel to them or unkind or don't love them the same way that we love everyone else. We have a specific thought about marriage, but our thought about marriage really has nothing to do with gay people. We also don't think that people under a certain age should be allowed to get married. That doesn't mean that we don't love children and want to support and care for children. It just means we don't think children should get married. We don't support bigamy, right? And I think most people don't support bigamy. Then again, there's polyamory. So maybe we're moving again towards bigamy. I don't know. Well, that doesn't mean we don't like Mormons. That's who I usually think of as being bigamist, even though I don't think they allow bigamy anymore. We just think that marriage is one man and one woman. They are separate things. I can tell you at least that they are separate things in the mind of conservatives. There's marriage, and then there's gay, gay people. And how you treat gay people and what rights they should have, which is all of them because they're humans, is different from same-sex marriage because marriage actually is not a right. It's a religious thing, and religions are allowed to have standards about how they involve people. So that's all. I actually wasn't even going to talk about conservatives and the LGBTQ community specifically, but we're here. So that's that's my word on it. Just because we don't support same-sex marriage, and that's not all conservatives, but just because some conservatives don't support same-sex marriage doesn't mean that we don't love gay people. In fact, for some people, the objection to same-sex marriage is sort of an objection to the government being involved in the marriage process. So it actually doesn't really have anything to do with gay people or people trying to marry someone of the same sex at all. But being opposed to a policy is very different from being opposed to a person or a group of people. That's how we see it. So I think I have time for one more thing, and I have to talk about this because it really opened my mind 
last night. And I love when my mind is open and when I think in a way that I haven't thought before. Because every time that I'm more open-minded, it means I can be a better person, a better human. And that's, that's really my goal. Like my big, big, big goal is to be a better person on this earth, a better person towards other people. So I was talking to my sister-in-law and she was telling me that she, unfortunately, two of her grandparents passed away from COVID. And she was telling me that she had some family and some family friends who, in speaking to her mother after the death of her grandparents, commented that COVID was a hoax. And so whatever they died from wasn't COVID because COVID is a hoax. I have not met anyone who thinks COVID is a hoax, but I have heard from several people who have lost loved ones to COVID that people have said to them COVID is a hoax. And I'm fascinated by these COVID is a hoax people. I want to know who they are and how they think. So I asked my sister-in-law who these people were that said COVID was a hoax and what what did she know of their of the kind of people they were, their beliefs, that sort of thing. And she said that these were people who think everything about COVID is made up. All the numbers are lies or at least blown out of proportion. And everything the media said was just made to, tr- they were just trying to make President Trump look bad. So everything about COVID was just all to make President Trump look bad. And she said when they would then ask, well, you know, there is COVID in other countries, the people would say even that was to make Trump look bad. Let me tell you, listeners, that is what the far right looks like. Okay, I am not the far right. I am, I'm to the right of center, but I'm not far right. I'm like your average conservative person. And I lean a little bit libertarian. Far right is conspiracy theory. Literally everything about COVID is a hoax made to make Trump look bad. That's a little out there. And to be fair, I don't know these people. So that could be their one area of conspiracy theoriness and all of their other thoughts could be very mainstream. So even to call them far right is probably not fair because I don't know them. But I will say that that belief is far right, that everything was a hoax, that all the numbers are lies, that everything was done to make Trump look bad. That's a little far righty. From a conservative perspective, are there questions that we should be asking? Does it seem like there was some misinformation? Should we be skeptical? Yes. But should we be skeptical and ask questions and not take at face value everything that politicians and the media tell us? Yes. Whether it's about COVID or any situation, we should always be skeptical. So that's like a moderate to right position. We don't just read the news and take it at face value. We ask questions. We look for different sources. These people, again, that belief that everything is a hoax is far right. But this was a really eye-opening experience for me and a good reminder because we are all, probably most of us, are in echo chambers. If we're on, if you're on the left, you're probably in a leftist echo chamber. And if you're on the right, you're probably in a rightist, people use that word, echo chamber. Your friends, your family, the news you follow, everything is reinforcing what you already believe and what you already think. And you're not hearing so many outside views. And this conversation was a good reminder that on the right, on my side, if you will, there are people who are acting in a way that is unreasonable, illogical, unkind, stupid, obnoxious, all of those things. People on the right are being pushy, just like there are many people on the left being pushy. And it was just a good reminder 
that they're obnoxious, rude people on both sides. And it really do the politics of a person or can the politics of a person affect how they'll act? Yes. If your politics tell you that you have a right to tell other people what to do, then you're going to tell other people what to do. Whereas if your politics say, I'll do my thing and you do your thing, then it's more likely that you'll be the kind of person who says, live and let live. Just like if your religion tells you to love your neighbor as yourself, you're probably more inclined to love your neighbor as yourself than a religion which tells you not to do so. Not that I can think of a religion that tells you not to do so, but if that were the case. So having certain belief systems certainly can help you on the way to being a nicer person. On the other hand, as we know, those guidelines and those rules help, but some people are obnoxious and rude and nasty and the kind of toxic people that you want to cut out of your life. And unfortunately, they are on, or maybe fortunately, they're on both sides of politics. Neither side has a copyrighted claim to obnoxious people. And the people who say that COVID is a hoax, they're the people we on the right have to bear. On the right, we have to bear the crazy conspiracy theorists. And on the left, you have to carry the crazy woke people who tear down statues of George Washington and burn and loot stores. Each side sort of has its burden of people who fall sort of in the same category, but not exactly. And we're like, they're our burden to carry. So apparently we have to put up with a few crazy conspiracy theorists on the right. But what struck me even more about this was not just, okay, you might think that the whole thing was a hoax. If that's what you want to believe, if that helps you sleep at night better, honestly, whatever you believe, I don't, if it's, if you're not going to bring your beliefs to me, if it's not going to affect me, if you want to believe that Santa Claus really exists at the age of 25, I guess you can believe Santa Claus really exists at the age of 25. If you can still be a contributing member of society, if you have some crazy theories, I guess that's fine. But once your crazy theories affect other people's lives, then you have to take a step back. And someone who would say to a grieving family member, COVID is a hoax. Like the issue here is not even that they think COVID is a hoax. I mean, it's an issue and they probably should be a little bit more reasonable and logical in thinking about the world. But I don't care what you think. You don't say that to a grieving person. I can't fathom a human who goes up to a grieving person and says, the disease that your loved one died from is a hoax. Well, that's great. It was a hoax. They're still dead. That is not a hoax. The fact that my grandmother passed away is not a hoax. The fact that my uncle died, the fact whomever, it's not a hoax. They really died. And honestly, right now, I don't care whether what they died from. The fact is they died and I have this gaping hole in my heart and I'm grieving and I can't even imagine going up to someone and saying that. I mean, we're all really lousy when it comes to grief. It's so hard to know what to say to a friend when they're grieving. And we say some really stupid stuff, but to say it was a hoax? Like your grandfather didn't die from a heart attack. Heart attacks are a hoax. Like, it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter what they died from. I'm really, really sad right now. Oh, I just, I love people. And sometimes I just cannot stand people because sometimes we are just the worst. Like, we're just so stupid and we're so mean. And we could just fix it all so easily by always being a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. 
And please share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from some common sense and thoughtfulness. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at e pluribus unum podcast. You can also find me on locals at e pluribus unum podcast.locals.com. The intro and end music is Chopin's Etude, Opus 10, Number 1 in C major, known as the Waterfall Etude. <laughs>